Hello once again to my brain space. Today we are in my bedroom and it's not classy. It's not sassy. It's got nothing spectacular to show. Ah, uh, pale blue walls. I'm sure that that has something to do with keeping people subdued. Okay, let's mumble some more into this. Um... Basically, fuck. Basically, I'm fitting into this category at this point in time, perceptibly by other people. That, um, it's like this goddess worship. So, I see that and and I can see how it will be misunderstood. Everything for me comes back to this ultimate external choice of picking sides. And when you look at your body holistically, you can't choose sides. You can't. Your body has so many operations functioning within it daily, momentarily, uh, to keep everything in balance that it's strange to me that externally into the world we could think that there would have, I don't know, that there would be this polarity or... Uh, bipolar fucking attitude toward everything every possibility and n nothing that's offered to us is like how can it get bigger everything is well that doesn't fit into our polarity so um it's bound to fail mentality and i'm asking myself like this predominant mentality of things, the way that they operate and the way that people adapt themselves to their environment, what is that about? And obviously, <laughs> primarily, it's about fear and lack. People have a really fucking hard time Existing and living to live. People live to work. And so they work so hard to sustain sustenance, you know, basic necessities that they can't even enjoy living. And the funny thing about it is we come from a, a history of tribal cultures where societies in that way were living with nature, living with natural cycles. And there are times, always, seasonally, where there's abundance and lack. But we don't 
really appreciate that cycle as common people. It takes being a farmer or somebody who is reliant on um, the systems of natural cycle. And they've had to, ha to like learn to adapt to this other supposedly normal cycle. <sighs> At the end of the day, a lot of people are disconnected from nature, from their natural selves, and they're fed a lot of ideas that don't work within those cycles and they might be intoxicating or interesting but they're hard to commit to because a person who understands their own normal natural cycles doesn't feel inclined necessarily to jump on board this other manufactured time. It's kind of strange on that level because daylight savings time is only something that came about through Benjamin Franklin as an idea for creating more economic growth as an economic experiment. He found it odd that people were still sleeping in after the sun had come up when the seasons changed, and he wondered why they weren't up and at them when the sun was up. But he was doing the same thing. He was just, like, sleeping in until one day he woke up early, and accidentally, basically, and was like, oh, whoa, the sun's up. Nothing's happening. Why isn't anyone doing anything? Well... Rich white people don't have a lot to do, so sleeping in is pretty awesome. But with the rest of the world, <laughs> people wake up at varying times for varying reasons. So I don't necessarily think that daylight savings time is, you know, like great. I think it's a tool to show us or bring us to the realization that trying to structure time on some etheric ideal of conservation is ridiculous. Ridiculous. People wake up in the middle of the night for no reason or some reason all the time. And I'm going to say that honestly, places like Spain or Italy who have siestas, they know what's up. They know what's going on. Take a nap in the middle of the day if you feel like it. Shut your business down. Take a little respite, especially if weather-wise, like, it's just kind of miserable to be open. You want to talk about real conservation? Real conservation is saying, shut down your gigantic store for the hottest parts of the day and quit 
running an air conditioning unit for a bunch of meanders, and everybody go take a nap in their own little AC unit or wherever there's, like, you know, an open window. Spend that nasty hour of the day where, or <laughs> few hours of the day where you'd feel miserable. Just do something else. Hot weather. What can you do? It's noontime. People eat lunch. They want a nap. Do you want a nap? You don't want a nap? What can you do? Use your creative resources instead of just settling down and being like, well, I guess I'm just going to go shop or I'm going to go watch a movie. Come on, people. We are people. We are people on this earth. We come from an earth that is absolutely amazing in its functions and structures. And then we're like, it's, it's hot out, but I'm just going to like be mean to people because I'm miserable. Everybody needs a nap. The thing that's funny about American, like, preschool or kindergarten, at least back in the 80s, was there was nap time. And you know what? At that age, nobody wants a a nap. Nobody wants it. They would rather go outside and play and run around and be little kids with exorbitant amounts of energy. But what happens? Oh, nap time. This is what the adults tell us we have to do. Because they're like, at least in that point in time, thinking probably, I don't know what to do with these children. Let's impose upon them a nap time. Fuck you. If I want a nap, I want a nap. I've known little kids that'll tell me, from nannying that they're tired and they want to go to bed. Do I stop them? No. But when they're like going crazy and enjoying what they're doing, am I like, time to wrap it up, kids. It's time for a nap. No. You don't do that. You don't do that because, well, Things inside of us, our body seems to work really well on its own without us telling it what to do. We can assist it to function better, but we can't just tell our body what to do and like think that we're going to outdo its natural function. So, what do we do? Well, If you're the type of person who likes to boss other people around and tell them what they should do, then you're going to make them take a nap when they're not tired. Period. That's pretty intense young programming. I love naps. Now, I've loved naps for like a few years now. I've learned... 
the importance of a nap. And now, as an adult, it's become this weird, rich commodity that is rare and not accessible whenever I want it. And yet, I was forced upon the nap by my authorities when they wanted it to happen for the reasons that they wanted wanted it to happen. And it was either to shut me up, shut me down, or because they just were done themselves and they wanted their own free time. But it had nothing to do with my actual tiredness or cycle. So shutting up, laying down, and taking a nap is the equivalent of a lot of different things that we are dealing with now in the world. Attitudes and attributes and systems of function. I don't want to just lay down, shut up, and sleep when I'm told. Ever. I want to do that because that's what I want to do. And it's crazy to me that when I look at it on a bigger level, how much that mentality rolls over into other things. Other ways of functioning. And uh, later adulthood places. I'm not sure how much this matters to other people, but it's, uh, 1.21 at night and thinking about things like this keeps me up at night. You want to know honestly for me? My best time to sleep would probably be between, like, 6.30 and noon. If I could be left alone from those hours to sleep, I would feel the best. And I would also be in a natural circadian rhythm with my birth time. And my natural creative cycles. I have to censor all of that and adjust it often depending on the situation and who I deal with. But naturally, if you, if everybody was just like, we were all born at different times of day and sometimes we feel more active here or there. Can you imagine Everything would be 24 hours to a certain degree. Teamwork would probably be a lot stronger because to make something run for 24 hours means that you need people in there helping run it that are willing to work certain hours. And there are people in the world who work the shittiest of shitty 
night shift shift work jobs um because it's available they're willing they know that being up that time is okay for them but there are other people who take those jobs just out of necessity there are so many things happening in the world that cause the greater machine of our function to run that it's crazy to say that we need to stick people into this little partial um, corner of hours that exist in a total day with all the things going on. Like, the best way to run things would be to be like, Everything is 24 hours, and we would most like to employ the people who enjoy these hours and can fit it in their life to get things done. If we're not going to automate everything really quick-like, then the best thing we can do is open everything up to the point that hours are flexible for people who have needs, right? If you know that you need that extra job and you're willing to work that time, it it's probably going to be better if you can find a job in that time frame that is flexible for you or, you know, supplementary for you to be something that isn't going to make you feel like an even worse person when you go home you're already tired you're already drained you'd already like to be doing other things right okay so why corner you because nobody else wants it into a position that's gonna actually make you a less functioning person in the world because of how much anxiety or anger or frustration that you get from the suffering that you get from the honest work of trying to make ends meet. And that's another crazy topic. Making ends meet and being a person who is of creation... Like, at no point in time in this physical beingness did you walk up to somebody else and say, create me, right? That's all some other level stuff. So you're here. I'm here. And as far as I know, I I never, like, physically in this life went up to somebody and said, hi, let's make a contract. You're my mom. You're my dad. That happened in another place. So if I'm where I'm at, I'm going to accept that, that that agreement happened in another place. But now that we're in physicality, we're playing with physicality rules. Ooh, physicality rules, which means I don't like pain. I don't like suffering. <clears throat> I don't like anger. That shit fucking ruins me for days. No 
everybody likes it. That's universal. So am I better than you or are you better than me or anybody else better than me? No. Pain and suffering sucks. We don't like it. So maybe we made contracts on some other level with people who would show us ultimate pain so that we could use this this spiritual mental resource of being like uh this is how we could um not perpetuate that problem it's all a bunch of problems everything time energy people food suffering they're all just like problematic every bit of it and all of the problematic behavior can truly to a large degree be pinpointed back to that place where somebody else just one person was shitty to another and perpetuated a lie. Now, now what is the lie, right? You can, you can mess with people without straight out lying to them, but what is the lie here? The lie here is that there is a hierarchy. Not true. And that that hierarchy that is fictional is controlling it all. That's not true. It's part of a problem. It's, it's part of the problem. But the bigger problem is individually. Letting our power go every day to people who we just think we should trust because we're lazy or we don't know and we're, we're not willing to learn or it's just easier. You know, it's just like the easier solution instead of thinking things through all options all the time and knowing what it feels like inside of your body when you pick the right one and by right I mean the path of least resistance and best outcome so it's this Work smarter, not harder, right? Take what you know and work with it in the best way for everyone, not just for you. Working for yourself is the easiest solution, but the most conniving. If you work for others and yourself, then you have to think differently because it's not as easy because people are vast and different and want different things. And so you can't be like, 
I'm going to bring fresh fish to the whole world when the whole world is like only 25% of us like fish. But we all like to eat. You know? <clears throat> what ha <laughs> Teach a man to fish. Or give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day. Teach a man to fish and he can eat for forever. Unless he has a fish allergy. Or unless he's not near a lake. Right? This is taking the teach a man to fish to another level where that level is adaptability, ultimately. It's adaptability within the construct of righteousness. Oh, what is righteousness? Well, obviously doing right. But righteousness has also been usurped as a word through religious context. <clears throat> and uh, I'm not going to say that religious context for righteousness is wrong. But I'm going to say that it is not all-encompassing when you look at it from the separatism of specific doctrines. So, if you bring it together without constructs and labels of saying, well, this is righteous in this category. Righteousness, at the end of the day, in my opinion... An observation is knowing the difference between what feels good and bad, but not just from a selfish level, but from a unity level. So you can do something that'll just make you feel good. And if you have any consciousness at all, if you do that, you're going to feel actually bad about it later because you're going to be like, I screwed so many people over. I didn't I didn't take them into consideration. What is consideration is to see others with empathy and understand their plight. Our one united plight in humanity across the board across the world is the the suffering and pain that we continue to perpetuate upon each other starting from very, very young ages, from very influential markers of development. And if we didn't do that to our youth, things would get so much smoother. And there are people in the world who understand the potency of imagination and magic that come from children. And they also realize that because of that attribute, they are incredibly vulnerable 
to the machinations of consciousness and effect. That's our problem. The people who like to feed off of the innocent are our problem. By feeding off of this innocence and this magic and this creativity, we impose our consciousness and concepts of cause and effect upon them without their implicit permission as personally aware and conscious and consent-giving entities. And um, that's just on this real raw physical level. If, if we go into spiritual contract, oh, they're there for a reason. That's a whole other conversation in a different way, but the same. <clears throat> because at the end of the day, you know what pain and suffering is. I know what pain and suffering is. My reasons, my circumstances might be very polar to yours. But it doesn't take away the fact that the basics of it are uncomfortable, impacting, and full of longevity. So, who's to say that we should be making any sort of plans in humanity that will make that one thing that is, never has to be provoked? Can I tell you, it doesn't have to be provoked. Pain and suffering is a natural part of our existence. It's part of the program. We don't need help making it worse. We don't need people out there stirring the pot in that direction. <clears throat> that pot is so potent that if we just let it be and let it stir and recognize our own part in making it exist to begin with, we could turn down the burner. You know, it, but instead it's like a, like a go-to for people or, mm, it's like the hierarchy of bullying and making other people feel bad because you already feel bad, but you want to feel better. And maybe if you're on top of somebody else, making them feel worse you can get some satisfaction. We all, every day, have that opportunity to impose that sort of attitude and function onto the people around us. But people who really feel the world really don't want to do that after they think about it enough. 
because there is no positive outcome for anyone. There is no solution to the issue. It is just a perpetuation of something that is way bigger, way older than this incarnation for both the people I know, unless you're a freaking vampire. If we're going to be sympathetic, empathetic, and logical at the same time, when shit like that comes up, it is in our definite best interest to look at it and ask, well, is this really mine? And not mine in the sense that, oh, I'm just going to take full responsibility for blah, blah, blah. But more like, huh, how have I fed into that suffering in this life? And maybe you can only pinpoint one point in time 10 years ago. But you pinpoint it. You see it. You acknowledge not only for yourself that this contributed to overall suffering and your own individual suffering or the microcosm of suffering around you, but you take responsibility for realizing that and take responsibility for the fact that you acknowledge that that isn't your program anymore. Apologies are huge to people, and uh, I think that they get overlooked. And I'm trying to make a concerted effort in my acknowledgement of this suffering to apologize for more by looking at my own story, going further back into it, and then realizing when I, you know, like when I'm seeing these things that I'm either triggered by or <clears throat> feel an immense amount of sadness for somehow to apologize for both sides of that pain. <clears throat> I am apologizing for the offender and that and the person who is offended because this offense as broad as offense can be is still offense and I felt offense and I've given offense and I've taken efforts in my life to acknowledge where that offense happens and most times it is very unplanned it's it's acting off the top of my head ignoring the fact that i know people have triggers and people are all individual and there is definitely a reason we're near each other right now if we are because we're different but we are the same and so I can say things that become triggers that make other people feel uncomfortable or insecure or whatever. And I think I'm making a joke. When I look further into it, I realize 
that joke is a trigger for a reason. And it's because there's a conversation to be had. And that conversation is the least violent way of bringing people together through their suffering to reach common ground to agreeably, as a group, find solutions. And this has been going on through time. But, though we are inundated with massive amounts of ways to communicate and keep in communication these days, the quality of our communication has absolutely degraded And shame on us for that. But it was to be expected. And acknowledging that fact allows us the opportunity to see it for what it is and change possible outcomes. We can see the communication has degraded and lost quality. We can see that we, despite that, we have communication at our fingertips at all times. Then, to change that and to realize that is to say, I acknowledge it's at my fingertips every day. I can use it whenever I want. How will I use it? And then that deeper question is, will I use it? Excuse me. will I use it to continue to perpetuate pain and suffering? Or will I use it as a medium and a tool to help myself and others overcome suffering? That's another crossroads we're at right now. Specifically with technology, everything right now is being weaponized if it's able to influence. And if there's a charismatic voice behind it or whatever, it, it definitely is potentially weaponized because it gets people's attention without being weaponized. So how many more people can you touch, reach, influence with weaponization? The problem with weaponization is that it creates factions, separations, and fights that are completely unnecessary. They're unnecessary because our inner being of knowing that we don't want suffering says we don't want to fight. We only, we only are willing to want to fight when it's true self-preservation. And that basically comes down to anything that we accept as making us individual ourselves. Back in the day, people were still fighting about religions or being the top gun in the neighborhood or whatever, we're still fighting about those things. 
people feel slighted about being questioned on their religious or whatever beliefs, you know? We're still taking it personally. But why are we still taking it personally to the point that we would harm another person who is made of the same stuff we are just because of how they think. We can say, oh, well, we hate them because they're violent. But who's perpetuating violence? Until you have somebody breaking into your front door or holding you up. So I don't even know. Like, I've taken self-defense. My answer to any sort of aggravation coming at me isn't number one, fight. Or create violence. It isn't. My purpose in conflict is to create conversation and understanding. Because I know deep down... 100% we're not different. It doesn't... If you do hate somebody, I, I need you just to go research water and air. And then, like, ask yourself if you're ever drinking public water. Because we're sharing our breath, our water from our insides to our outsides with every inhalation and exhalation and our body is shedding skin and cells all day long and we're touching doorknobs, you don't choose who gets to touch the doorknob after you. You aren't choosing when you sneeze or someone else sneezes around you. We are literally shedding our DNA into the DNA of the earth consistently on a daily basis with no regard about it. Yet people are going to be racist or hatist all the time. We shouldn't be hating on people as hard as we should be thinking and implementing solutions that make people better because we hate because we think or understand or perceive that people should and could be better. And then we make ourselves more important or better by saying you're shitty, you're not you're not better. You you made a shitty mistake. We all make mistakes. We're all fucking shitty people at one point or another. How many people do you have around you that are encouraging you when you're down and out to be a better person? How many people do you have around you to remind you of the fact that just because you fucked up once isn't the totality of your beingness? Mobs. Mobs. The mob was made on a family structure 
this idea blood is thicker than water turns into commitment blah 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 our belief is your belief you believe in it will stick behind you if you turn against us you will die we still live like that without calling ourselves a mob but we do it in tiny little subsectors all over the goddamn world the end of the day we're all just made of the same stuff we're all just struggling from the same stuff to different degrees for different reasons and the thing that's making it harder on everyone is separatism and the fact that they can't feel comfortable enough to go actually and be honest about their experiences and their feelings because feelings are pussy right feelings are female everything about our structure in today's world works against the part of the human that is the most natural feeling, experiencing, expressing. It tells us it's bad, it's wrong, we shouldn't do it, there's a better way, buck up, keep it to yourself, be a fucking hero by being hard. I don't think that works anymore. I don't believe in it, and I'm not going to support it. And, um, I think, I think there might be some feathers ruffled, but only by people who are really still attaching themselves to that violence and to that need to separate, create division and fight about it. Because in all honesty... The way I think, this is obvious. We need to stop placating each other into these roles of parent and child, bossy McBosserson, and we need to actually listen and think about the best of things forward. By taking what's been shitty in the past and actually learning from it and using it to evolve. Everybody's talking about it right now. How many people are trying to implement what that actually means for functioning in society? I am a single white female with no children. I can probably be pretty influential to a certain group of people. But that's small. This isn't my mission. <laughs> this is observation of the world and why we're struggling. Why we're at this tipping point. And it's not going to be me single-handedly tipping the table for the world. It's just not. I can do that here in my microcosm to a certain degree, to a certain level, and be 
completely successful. But maybe we all need to agree on a tipping the table day. I'm not waiting on Jesus to save me anymore. And I'm not waiting for my elected officials in government to save me anymore. I'm not waiting for the church or my friends to save me anymore. I'm relying 100% on concepts and ideas that have come to me through observation and to a certain degree faith but are now being solidified and confirmed through movements in sociopolitical science and history. What we're learning right now. So I know I'm not the only one who's paying attention to that, listening to that, and has also been listening to themselves for a long time, but never gave themselves as much credit as they deserved. And so culminatively, I apologize to myself and others for not picking it up faster, but I also want to say thank you and thank me for taking the time that it's taken to really start to get down on these ideas that we are sharing and are more universal than, say, the mainstream media gives credit for. Um... At this point in time, I think our main focus should be on further furthering these conversations with kindness and understanding, patience, and the like, and to make a concerted effort to stop victimizing, abusing, and placating children into situations that are going to steal their innocence and their magic and allow them to be who they are so that we can actually learn from that without adulterating it. Because, I mean... Back in the day, Art Linkletter or Bill Cosby or any of these people wouldn't have had a show that showcases children giving their honest opinions if it wasn't interesting and impactful. Sadly, on on so many levels, I think that those in the media were used as a way of victimizing and manipulating children. I don't have 100% confirmation on all that, but um, 
I do see that when I watch it. People are now kind of doing a similar thing that could lead to even further grossness by just making their kids feel expectant of a camera being pulled out when they're being questioned about things. Um, and it's all for entertainment value. We need to stop treating ourselves and our children as entertainment because they're not entertainment. They might be entertaining, but they're not entertainment. And if you want to have a YouTube channel as an adult and exploit or showcase or whatever yourself that way, that's your own deal. You can do that, but your children are yours. They're your creation, but they're not your property. And you need to understand that by being their creator, you're bringing them into the world so that they can create as well. And what do you what do you want to see from creation? If you're upset about the shitty things that happen within creation, you need to look at how that happens. Plain and simple. You can love to just block life out by watching movies and think it's great and then think it's so funny when your kid is hilarious and, you know, photogenic and whatever. But at the end of the day, what are you teaching them to give back? What are you giving back yourself into the world? Are you just breeding to make little sources of income or do you care about your creation and the follow-through of that creation what it offers back into the greater whole I don't get it I don't have kids and I'm glad I don't at this point because I've worked with children so long in my life that um I'm having a period of I don't I don't really want to be around kids that much just because I'm starting to explore the idiosyncratic and very painful realizations that come about of how we think we're helping children, but we're not. And it's this repetitious shit of ideals and programming that actually take the best parts of children away from themselves and from us. <clears throat> I think it's crazy. We want them to be little adults. I think that, yeah, there is a potential. Children are born in as old souls and stuff, but there's no reason really to, like, push them into that place or even assist them into that place preemptively. They should be given the opportunity to just enjoy that part of their life. And it's really, 
I mean, one of the only part in your life that you'll ever get where you are growing very quickly. Every day is new and different. And you, if you have a good family, you know, or are in a safe situation, can completely just experience all that growth and newness and learning and not have to worry about relying on yourself to get through. And the the only time or the times that that changes for people is when their mother basically disappears from the picture for whatever reason early on in the game. But when you're small, up until about five or six, you believe your parents are gods. You believe 100% in them because they are the people who care for you and feed you and make sure that you have what you need, you know? They care. And it's, you know, the only time in your life that you're going to get where care by choice of creation <clears throat> is very controllable and important. So many people have babies out of just casual sex or rape or not thinking about it, but there are people in the world who are purposely procreating and co-creating, and those children hopefully are being born into situations where they feel love and acceptance and all that, but we know that's not true. It's sort of a crapshoot for some people. That crapshoot early in life, that feeling despondent and pushed away and like you're not accepted, that creates problems down the road mentally, emotionally, and functionally in relationships. It's crazy, but it's true. There are so many people having babies in the world, they don't care. And those kids are just going to grow up to be douchebags who are douchebags to other people who make other douchebags. Then there are a bunch of smart, intelligent, <clears throat> patient, <clears throat> studying themselves in life people out there that are like, I'm never going to have kids. <clears throat> Because relationships are hard. And honestly, if you think hard enough about it, who wants to have the responsibility in the future of potentially raising an asshole child? That's horrible. But that's like a true stigma for my generation. Because they see both sides of where things can go great and things can go wrong. And... There aren't any solid role models for a, 
a path in a direction that's going to not drive everyone who's part of it crazy, you know? I think there's something to be said about knowing your role and it has nothing to do with these preconceived roles of just like, oh, women should be in the kitchen barefoot and having babies. It's like, what are you actually good at? Where do your natural tendencies lie? And who are you dealing with? What are their, you know, attributes? People get caught up on these minute fucking points that mean nothing, nothing when you erase everything, like erase it with everything else, leaving the most important things. You'd be like, oh, most important things. Do you care about your safety and well-being? Yes. Would you like to be able to eat on a consistent basis to nourish your body? Most definitely. Do you believe that people should be able to live and let live on the level of nonviolence? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, like, do you think that most of the problems we have in the world ultimately come back down to how we treat children. Well, golly, gosh, darn, gee whiz. Actually, yeah, I do think that everything fucked up in the world and where anything has ever gone amiss was because... Some child who wasn't expecting it, didn't deserve it, got more, 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 more than any given day. And that more, more, more impacted them on such a level, on so many levels, that... It doesn't go, it just doesn't go away. It becomes a marker. And it becomes a mental bookmark of philosophy. Where to go back to what feels good. We have a whole fucking world of children right now that are being fed nonsense and hate and division and all this stuff. And when people are afraid of the next generation or in hope of it, at the back of their mind, they always know the reason that they use children as a fulcrum is because it's such a delicate time and it's so influential that what happens there doesn't leave the body and if you have hope you're hoping for the best for your own reasons and if you're hating on it you're 
hating on it for your own reasons. I don't know. It is about children, though. And, uh... Impression. How we treat them. Every year there will be new children. But you only have one you. And you have a lot of opportunities to fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. <laughs>